Good morning, everyone. So if you're watching online, uh, I am sideways or whatever. So I am going to fix this right away. But I'll tell you, it's going to look kind of weird for a while. And if if I accidentally uh, do this so my nose is right in the screen, please don't freak out. Okay. So those watching online, am I fixed right now? I'm good right now. Anybody else watching online out there? Can anybody online give me a thumbs up? Somebody give me a thumbs up. Come on, show me. Thumbs up. None of you are watching. No one's giving me a thumbs up. Oh, somebody gave me two thumbs up. Okay, we're good. Now I'm going to put myself down here while I fix the, the thing here. Wow. I'll tell you what. I love technology. Not really. <laughs> okay. There we go. So... We're back. Are we good? Well, we're not quite good. I'm a little crooked still. We need a professional photographer to come in here and do this. That's what we need, actually. Anybody want to volunteer? No? Okay, there we go. Okay, I'm still crooked. <laughs> he got a crooked preacher this morning. Wow. Not great. Okay, now we're ready. No? Now I can do some announcements. A good speaker will never speak with gum in his mouth either. So, all right, let's begin this morning. I think I can, I'm reset. We're ready to go. Good morning and welcome to the Pleasant Hill Church of Christ. It's August 22nd. What a great day to be alive. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. I have to tell you that it's fun to listen to Brian when I'm trying to teach my class in there. He is, he is. He is loud and in everyone's face. I like it, though. It's a good thing. And that's why uh, he was ordained as an evangelist. That's hey, without I, the mic in the speaker. What? That's without the mic. I know. I know that's without the mic in the speaker. I think I need to turn myself on on technology. So there you go. Now I'm on. Okay. okay. Hey, I got to do uh, the uh, uh, notes of encouragement. And I am so excited because I got some... Uh, I got some ones here from some very special little people, all right? So, uh, Brian, uh, wow, that Bible class was so encouraging and timely. Thank you. Probably not from a little person, but definitely, uh, I know. Bill, for your encouragement by electronic device. Obviously, I wasn't doing very well this morning, but I'm glad I am now. I'm, I'm not crooked. I'm straight. Uh, especially to walk with integrity. God's Word mentioned that 21 times. Must be important. Amen. Thank you very much, Ken. And here we go. Scott, you're an awesome servant who is willing with a great attitude to help when called upon. You're a man of integrity, steadfast and movable in your service for our king and for your uh, untechy preacher. There you go. I added that part on there. I'm not much more techie than you. Well, <laughs> you're years ahead of me, chief. All right. Uh, we're still horse and buggy in my my mindset. So. No, I am, not you. <laughs> Brian, so glad you are our brother in Christ. Uh, hate for it to be on if you on the opposing team. That would not be fun. All right. So appreciate uh, appreciative of you and the amazing man of God you are. Your lessons have been amazing and uh, truly, truly timely for the times we are, are facing. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. That's a good one. 
All right, Miss Jamie, you are an incredible person. You have a beautiful smile. I love your hugs. You are a huge blessing to an awful lot of folks here. You know who that one's from, of course. You do. All right, here we go. Here we go. Super big letters. I love it. And this one, by the way, is going in my office on my desk right where I can see it. Okay, Max, here we go. Uh, or Brax, is it Max? Oh, it's Max. Okay. Uh, Mr. Compton, thank you for your messages. I like listening to you from Max. Thanks, Max. That's great. Brian, your message today rocks. Praise the Lord for you. And I got a feeling that might be from your oldest son. And here we go. Miss Angie, I enjoyed you being in Bible class today. You are so nice and encouraging. Love, Braxton. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh, my goodness. You're raising up those boys right. Great encouragers. How many of you know that that's a powerful ministry that can really change the course of a person's life? Just an encouraging word can change the course of a person's life. But you also know that a discouraging word can do the same, right? So let's be encouragers, not discouragers. So announcements. Sunday evenings at the Parks Place. Uh, Monday night is at the Compton's Place. Another good meal is being pre prepared for the college-age young people. And uh, Wednesday night uh, fellowship uh, evening assembly is again at the Parks. And uh, I think this is the last one, if I remember my calendar correctly. And then we're going to be transitioning to the Compton Homestead. Uh, ladies' study is at the parks. I haven't heard different. And is there any other news that we need to know about? I don't see any birthdays on my uh, list here. No birthdays. Anything else? Uh-oh. Rick's birthday? It's Rick's birthday? <laughs> I'm not going to ask how old you are, Rick, because I don't want you to hurt me later on. So, but that's no indication that you're older than 29. I'm assuming you're 29. Oh, I was going to say, 29 plus shipping and packing. And man, the handling was pretty rugged. <laughs> you know, I had someone say that to me. Wow, that was really mean. I, I thought I wasn't too handled too badly of recent. So anyway, it's good to have you here. And it's your birthday this week. When is your birthday? Saturday, okay, great. So that's when the, when the party down is going on over at the Steiner place. So. Anybody else got a birthday coming up? We don't have a birthday, but it was Cynthia's 25th wedding anniversary. It was Cynthia's? Were you there at the wedding? I have vague memories of <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember the little river band? The the song, Happy Anniversary, Baby. Got you. You don't remember that one? Yeah. Well, shows how old I am, Eric. <laughs> Happy Anniversary, twenty five. Silver Anniversary. Woo! Wow, that's awesome. So, how much golden or silver did you get? <laughs> Good. That's exactly what. That's exactly what we want to hear. <laughs> Wait till you get to your gold one. Yeah. When is our gold? Our gold is a couple years away, right? Yeah, like 20, okay. All right. <laughs> we got time. We got time to save up. Anyway, we're supposed to be singing happy birthday to Rick. What are we doing here? Sorry, Rick. Sorry. <laughs> that silver anniversary. 
took me away. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Um, I love that statement that says, uh, fear not for I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Yeah. I am so thankful for that. Uh, Carly Drillinger asked me to draft a letter, uh, a religious exemption letter from the uh, mandate. And uh, I spent quite a bit of time researching and then I actually wrote a letter. And then I had my son, Andrew, who, by the way, you know, is hired to write for the four executives for uh, Pentagon Federal Credit Union in Alexandria. So you know the guy's got to be good, right? I don't know. He didn't get it from his father. I know that. Anyway, so I sent it to Andrew, and he goes, well, that's really great, Dad, but you know what? I'm thinking you want to make it shorter and more concise, and you, you, want, to be, you want to be asking them to consider why, you know, Carly would deserve an exemption. And I went, oh, I thought that I was saying, he says, well, you were getting there, but let me help you. So after, after three rewrites with my kind of going, yeah, that sounds good. That's after, and we were on the phone for a while. I think we got it. And so uh, I have a template here uh, and all I need to do is put in your institution that you work for and your name and a few other things about how long you've been a part of the fellowship here at Pleasant Hill Church. And if you would like one of these, please don't hesitate to come and talk with me. And uh, I would like to talk with you a little bit uh, uh, before I do that, just so we're on the same page. But I'd be willing to do that for anybody here who's in good fellowship at the Pleasant Hill Church of Christ. I love this family, and I really appreciate all that you have done. So honestly, yesterday, um, I was really excited to do a whole bunch of work around the house, and I went, went, no, this has got to get done. It's got to get done now. So I was on the computer doing research. Uh, Sharon is my witness. I had lunch, and uh, I did a little bit of stacking wood, but the whole day I was on the computer and typing and on the phone with my son. So uh, I think we got a, a really great tool and if you're interested, please contact me individually, please. Don't raise your hand and run up here. We're just doing individuals. That'd be great. Okay. Hey, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. Hebrews in chapter 12. And I want to read verse 1, 2, and 3 again. And I tell you, the, sometimes people go, man, that's, we've read that a lot. Every time I read it, I get something out of it. It's super exciting. And what is here? And so encouraging. And I hope and pray that I could bring that encouragement to you. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despising the shame and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's four beautiful statements here. The first one is, look at everybody who's made it. You've got a cloud of witnesses. They made it. And, and if you go back and read chapter 11, 
wow, did what they go through to make it. Oh, and chapter 10 gives you a little bit of inkling of, wow, what they went through. And man, they powered through. Some of them are just awesome. David is totally amazing. And it talks about all of those who went through so much because they wanted heaven. They wanted heaven. The city, it says, that Moses was looking for and, and Abraham was looking for was not of this world. They were looking for the city, really, literally, the new Jerusalem, the church of the living God, the kingdom eternal. That's what they were looking for. They made it. They, they powered through no matter how tough it got. And you know what? I've always liked the idea of, of following somebody else's example. Why make the mistakes they made over. Why don't you just learn from their mistakes and make it a little bit easier? And so I have to share with you, we really do need to look back in chapters 10 and chapters 11. It really does give us great courage. And I would even encourage you to go back in the Old Testament where those guys really did amazing work. How about John the Baptist? Wow, talk about John the Baptist. His upper lower lip never quivered when he was telling the, the riffraff of Rome where to go. I mean, we're talking the riffraff of Rome are the big higher-ups. And he was also doing that to the religious elite. It's absolutely amazing. That guy was rock solid. You want to know why? Because he knew that God would never leave him or forsake him. And God's will would be done in his life. Wow, I love that example. So that's why we have those. But the second point, or the first point of our lesson really was purge ourselves of all the encumbrances in our lives. Remember, we're looking at how to prepare to survive and thrive. See, so it's not just hanging in there white knuckle, it's excelling still more and more. I don't know about you, but I really love the idea of excelling, not just white knuckle until the Lord comes back. That's not a way to live. And so if you really get into the scriptures, you can see that you can really excel. But first you have to lay aside all the encumbrances and lay aside the sin which so easily entangles. We're going to talk about that one this morning. And then we need to pursue, it says. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and run the race that is set before us. And he's empowered us to run that race. No matter what the obstacles, he's empowered us to run that race. And so it's important for us to know that we are able in Christ Jesus, not only to survive, but to actually thrive. And you know, when you thrive, like the Apostle Paul did when he was thrown in the dungeon, in the inner prison, people are going to come to Christ. People are going to come to Christ because of you and because of me. Because we're not just surviving, we're thriving. And the Apostle Paul was thriving in that dungeon, so much so that nobody left the prison. Everybody is kind of wondering what's going on. Paul starts barking out orders. The jailer comes in and bows down and says, sir, what must I do to be saved? I'll tell you what, that's, that's thriving. That's not surviving. And that's who we are. That's who we are capable of becoming. And that's what this lesson about is about this morning. And so let's look at point number two. We already looked at lay aside every encumbrance, the worldly relationships, the meaningless activities, the debt that kind of freaks us out, the worries, the riches, and the pleasures of this world. All of those are encumbrances. You can lay those aside. The word lay aside means to cast off. You have the power to do that. If you don't believe that's true, come talk to me. 
there are scripture after scripture after scripture that says you have the power and the tools to do that. Now, point number two, lay aside the sin which so easily entangles. The word entangle actually means to be snared, to be snared. Just recently, I had an experience when I was working in my yard. We have some old barbed wire hanging around in the grass that you can't see. And I'm bebopping out trying to get something done. And I and I I catch myself on that. And it was a snare, man. I'm telling you what. Boom! I hit the ground. I was on a mission. And I got snared. And man, it was not fun. And of course, it was kind of painful as well. And so it's important for us to understand that we need to what? Lay aside the sin which so easily entangles. Well, I'll tell you what. That easily entangled me. I wonder who put that barbed wire there. I thought that for a moment and realized it was me. <laughs> Isn't that how that works? You know, it's like, man, we are just so mad, Ryan. It must have been no, it's probably Jake. Yeah, yeah, well, let's believe it on Andrew because he's not around. No, wait a minute. I'm the one that did that. Oh, my goodness. Terrible. And so, you know what? The sin which so easily entangles is literally talking about those personal sins in your life that have become sin habits and you're working to get out of it and you're working and you just, it's like you laid that thing there and you keep tripping over that bob wire, that bob wire of sin. And so it's important for us to recognize that you need to be the one that goes, picks up the bob wire and puts it where it's supposed to be in the metal recycle. And you're not going to trip up, get tripped up by it anymore. Now that bob wire is not there because I did just that. I purged the field, at least in that area, of bob wire. And so we're talking about purging yourself of sin. Now I have to share with you that sin is contagious. How many would agree with that? Sin's contagious. I mean, it's so contagious that, that the writer, uh, or Jude, who wrote the book of Jude, said, you know what? Be careful when you're helping somebody out of sin that you don't get sucked into it. Well, then I'm coming, I'm helping them out. Sure. How many have heard of stories, sad stories, where someone jumped in the river, and there was a police officer not too long ago, jumped in the river to save some people, and he died, and the three people got out. So, so notice it's very, and that's a sad illustration, but the illustration is a powerful one because you need to be careful because sin is contagious. It really is. If you don't think it is, I don't think you've been in this world. So we need to cast off, we need to purge ourselves of our individual personal sin habits. You know, the struggle, the things that I struggle with right now are not the things that you necessarily struggle with right now. You have your own set of sins that you need to get rid of. And you might be working on getting rid of them. Don't give up. Don't give up. Now, you know, this, the, the repentance process, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about this in length in one of my sermons, but the repentance process is how you get in there and you root that sin out and get it gone. And you replace it with the, the character quality of Christ. So if you're lazy, and by the way, laziness is a sin. If you don't know that, go to the book of Ephesians and check it out. You know, laziness and stealing, that's a sin. The positive opposite is not stopping stealing and being lazy. That's not repentance. That's just being a dormant, you know, lazy person. Well, 
that's the definition of being lazy dormant. But anyway, it's actually going out and getting a job, working hard with your own hands and making money for your own needs and extra for the needs of others. That's exactly what the Bible says. So we're going to show you how that can be done. I'm working on a, a new lesson for my elementary teachings in regards to the sin and death. But how do you get out of that sin? The process is powerful, and yet you need to know the devil has missile lock on your individual particular lusts. Take a look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. Here we are encouraged. Uh, I guess this doesn't apply to me much anymore, but... Uh, I have, as an older gentleman, I have my own challenges and difficulties. But notice it says here in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 22 of 2 Timothy, Now, Timothy, flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who, who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Notice he's saying you need to run away from those. Meaning you need to go in the opposite direction and step and see how close you can get to them. You need to run away. You need to get those out of your life. And so that's so critically important. You know what Psalms 1-1 says? You know this, don't you? How blessed is the man who walks in the council of sinners, who sits in the seat of scoffers and stands around in the path of, of no, 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 no. You're saying, well, what verse, what Bible are you reading from? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he does what it says, and he profits in everything that he does. Well, and I love that one. That's a great equation for getting the garbage out. Guess what? Don't hang out with the sinners, and don't listen to what they're telling you. Oh, I got a plan for your life, Kevin as a dirt bag, and here's how it goes. Just come follow me. It'll be great. Yeah, that's found in uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 2. Don't go there. You see, it's really important for us to recognize the scriptures are powerful in teaching us how to lay aside that which so easily entangles us. But you have to be honest with yourself. How many of you know that in the book of Luke in chapter 8 and verse 15, it's only the man or woman with an honest and good heart that's going to be able to produce the life of Christ. First of all, you have to be honest. Hey, I got some challenges in my life. And those challenges are sin. And those things are going to keep me from being an effective servant. Running the race. We're going to learn what that is in just a moment. So you really do need to purge the sins out of your life. You know, a couple of them that I'm going to throw out there that I think you already know. Is your peer group. You need to examine your peer group. I don't know about you, but if I hang around with someone who's saying a particular phrase, saying a particular phrase, saying a particular phrase, and it doesn't seem to have any meaning to me, and I say that particular phrase, and then someone goes, what did you just say? Well, I just said, and they go, did you know what that really means? Kind of sounds like, he goes, oh, you better look that one up. And then you look that up and you go, oh, I don't think I want to say that anymore. Something like, man, you're a real dork. Don't say that. Check it out. Check that out. I say it all the time. When I was in high school, I'd tell my kids that. Just fun, lovingly. I didn't know what it meant. 
And then a preacher said, have you ever, have you ever looked at what that word means? No, it means like, like, you know, dumb or come on, get, get going with a guy. You're better than that. He goes, no, not quite. You see, we have to be careful. Our peer group will suck us into saying things and doing things. We don't even know what it is. And then you find out, uh-oh. I have never, after I looked it up, I went, eh, I'm never saying that word again, ever, period. And I don't think any of you have heard me say that. I hope. I don't think so. That was a long time ago. But I'll tell you what, it was a shocker. I'm so glad someone was willing to take me aside privately. They didn't say in the middle of the sermon, oh, by the way, don't use that word, because that word means, that's, it's one of those words you don't want to say publicly, okay? Do you got it? I'm going to go look it up now. But if you do, you'll never say it again. Praise God. Okay? So, it's important. Your peer group is going to, it's going to move you in a particular direction. Oh, I'm tougher than that. Oh, really? That's why Paul said to the church, what? Bad company destroys good morals. Oh, by the way, God says that over and over and over again throughout the scriptures in different ways. In other words... Know that your peer group is going to move you subtly in the wrong direction if they're not the peer group that's living for, talking like, and loving Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Be aware of that. Don't say, I'm strong, I'm standing strong. The scripture also says, beware if you think you stand, lest you fall. We say, be careful. So it's important. Also, too, the workplace. <laughs> The workplace. You know what? We all got to go to work. We all got to go to work, right? And so, well, you're online, so you get to be home. Your workplace is pretty awesome, yeah. Scott. It really is. Okay? But you go to those Zoom meetings. Have you been to Zoom meetings before where people are just really open and fluid about their colorful language? You're going, this is a Zoom meeting. I mean, everybody can hear you. It's not like you're over in a corner in a meeting. It's like everybody gets to hear you. What are you doing? I don't say that, but I kind of scratch my head a little bit. See, so be careful. The workplace, the workplace can be very dangerous because that's obviously a group that you're, you know, have to work with. How about our family? You're saying, well, my family's an amazing family. Well, it might be your, your nuclear family is awesome, but what about family, the bigger universe of family? You know what I'm saying? The bigger universe of family is not just husband, wife, and children. It can be all those who come for Christmas and dinner and Easter and whatever other time. They show up, sometimes unexpected. They can have a tendency to pull you away as well. Be really careful. Be strong. Be faithful. But remember, you need to be the light and not be permeated by the darkness. Uh, finally, I would ask you to consider this as well. There are things that you picked up when you were a kid. Things inside that if, if you are pressed by the devil, they'll come out. Some of you know that I had a really severe anger issue when I was a younger Christian man. Some of you have not seen that ever, which I'm so thankful for. Some of you, unfortunately, like my wife, saw that a lot. And so it's important to realize that there's a lot of stuff that went on early on that is inside, it's junk inside, and until you can get that junk out, that emotional defilement out, and 
see it for what it is and allow the Lord to be the one that really is your rock, those are going to come up. And many of you know why I was angry. It's because my relationship with my dad was not what it needed to be. No fault of my dad. My dad didn't know how to be a dad. And honestly, he did the very best he could do. He provided for us. We always had clothes. We were always fed. But there's more to providing as a father than that. And so I, I was angry. I didn't know that for the longest time, but I found out that that was the case. And once I restored that relationship with my father, and I needed to do it as the Christian man who understand reconciliation begins with someone coming forward and beginning to open the door, and that's what happened. And I got to spend the last five or six years with my dad, joyful years, and my life was transformed. But it was only because of my studying the word of God and understanding my father in heaven that my father never had that picture. I have had that picture. My boys have had a different dad experience than, than I had. And I intentionally made it that way. So it's important for us to recognize and understand that there might be some things in us that, that just we don't know where they're coming from. You really do need to start digging and figuring that out. Now, I don't have an anger issue anymore. Some people say I'm just a pushover. I'm not. Try to do something to my wife and my kids, you're going to realize that you made the wrong decision. But the reality is you can do almost anything to me and I'm not going to get upset. You can even run into me on the freeway like happened last week and I'll get out and say, wow, how was that text message that you had? It wasn't text messaging. I know, I just kidding you. So we got to get this done. You know, people are going by flipping us off and yelling at us because we don't have nowhere to park, you know, Beltline. But the reality is I didn't get mad at the guy. Things like that happen. How many have ever rear-ended somebody before? Raise your hand. Come on, come on, be honest. All right. Guess what? Sometimes you just take in your eye off the wheel for just a second, right? It doesn't take only but a second and it's done. So important. We need to realize that we need to get that out of our lives. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 through 25. I want you to read that. Not now, but later. And you know the repentance process? Many of you know where it's found. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 20, reading all the way down to verse 32. The repentance process is illustrated and precisely listed out. The three steps for transformation and then examples of how to get it done. It's right there. And that's what we're going to look at once again. He's saying, we've already heard that. Well, I know, but there's still sins that so easily entangle. I want you to apply that process to those to get the sin out. Why? Because then you're free to run the course. You're free to run the race. And that's the third point. You have to purge the encumbrances, purge the sin. And then you can really run, man. You can really run. And that's what people need to see, especially during this time. They really need to see people who are the embodiment of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he powered through. Was it painful? Absolutely, positively. Was he frightened? Well, we know in the garden, he's bleeding drops of blood. The stress of what was coming. He powered through. That's why we, we need to look at his race because he made it to the throne. He powered through the cross. Can I have your attention for just a moment? You may think there's been crosses in your life and there probably have been some big crosses in your life. But we're not done yet. There might be some other crosses that are coming. I don't know. 
I, honestly, you don't know either. That's why we should prepare. Remember? Hope for, the, hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. You don't have to go there and dwell there. Please don't do that. That's no fun. <laughs> always hope for the best. I always like to plan for the best too. But, you know, be prepared for the contingencies. Right? And so let's look at that, look at that last point. Run with endurance the race set before us. We must know what that race is. By the word, that word race is treko in, in the, the Greek, treko. That's where we get the word what? Trek, trek. We're trekking into the woods. By the way, uh, I don't just trek in the woods aimlessly. I usually have a goal, all right? Now, Brian would probably laugh or Jeff might say, well, yeah, really, but you don't ever achieve it. I'm working on it, okay? <laughs> but so the trek means that you're on a course, a specific identified course. And so the course is the life of Jesus Christ. The trek, the course, the race is the life of Jesus Christ. We are raised up out of the water grave to walk in the newness of life. The newness of life is the very life of Christ. Were you united with Jesus in his death when you were immersed? Yes. Were you buried with him in his burial? Yes. Were you raised up with him? Yes. To walk like you just want to walk. No, to walk in the same manner as he walked. The course is Jesus Christ. That's why it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's run the course. In fact, he's ahead of you. How many have ever been in a race before? And, and you are following the guy in front of you. And you were just hoping that he ran the right course. Well, Jesus ran the right course. You're safe. All right. So important for us to recognize and understand that. You know, the word run, by the way, doesn't just mean treco. Run the race. The race is treco. The run is, listen to this, it's focus, resolve, intention, forced movement toward a goal. Go look it up. Listen to what we need to be in this race. We need to be focused. Literally, that's there. Focused on what? Jesus and his life, how he treated people, how he dealt with situations. When we see the Apostle Paul, we see Jesus in the Apostle Paul. You can look to Jesus in the Apostle Paul. You can actually see Jesus in Timothy as well. How about Chloe? I love Chloe. She's amazing. You can see Jesus in her. You can see Jesus in these people. That's the course. That's what you need to follow. But if they could do it, you can do it too. Especially as Christians because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. How could Paul do what he did? Because he had the Holy Spirit and he believed God. He had the Holy Spirit and he believed God. Now, focus, resolve. I am not giving up. Intentional. I do what I do for a reason. You know what? Many people go, hey, you know what? That reminds you of that passage of scripture in the book of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter chapter 10. I, I box, but I don't box without aim. I box to win. I run the race to win. That's exactly the same word. Can you imagine? Hey, let's go out and do some boxing. <laughs> hey, you're going to win, right? You're going to win a free trip to the hospital or the morgue that way. 
You know, you need to realize there's got to be a tension in your boxing and in your racing and most importantly, in your living like Jesus. That's why you need to read the scriptures. The scriptures will give you everything you need to know. And I love this one, the force of movement. You know, there's going to be times when people aren't going to encourage you. No, no, they're not. They're going to be, you know, thinking about what's going on around them. They're not going to be around to encourage you. If you need someone to cattle prod you with encouragement, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I get a cattle prod in that picture. If there's no one to cattle prod you, you got to do it yourself, man. That's where you got to get that momentum and that force. Momentum just doesn't happen. It's built over time. It's built over time. We need to recognize that that is so critical to this race that we're called to run. And you know what? Interesting, the word endurance means a constancy of force. A constancy of that force. Here's the question. Think about this example. How many have ever driven before with your autopilot on? What's that called? Speed control, right? Or what is it called? Cruise control. The autopilot works best for me. You're saying, you're looking like you're preaching the autopilot, dude. I am not. <laughs> Cruise control. How many of you have ever noticed when, when you're going down the road, and I do this almost every single time on Highway 58, coming up, and you, and you go up through the... the <laughs> You're going through the green bridge, you know, and, and you're on cruise control. And you're going, whoa, whoa, it's way too fast. You know, you're like, Argh. you know, you're just like you're squeezing through. And there's a semi coming every time, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you get up and you put it back on cruise control. And Argh, you take up again and, and, you, and, you, and you get to where you're supposed to be going on cruise. And then you start going up the hill right down here. And what does your cruise control do? And it kind of gets you going faster than you thought. Woo! Guess what? Did you catch what? The, that's an illustration. When the going gets rough, the cruise control doesn't shut down. It puts more power, baby. Put more power to get up the hill. You say, well, that's a stupid example. Well, I hope not. I thought it was a good one. The picture is, is when the going gets tough, you don't go, I'll just keep going like I'm going. You put more energy into it. Do you remember what Peter said? To the degree that you experience the sufferers of Christ, keep on rejoicing. That kind of sounds like that cruise control thing. When the suffering increases, woohoo! The rejoicing increases and the excitement to serve the Lord. Does that look like what Paul did in prison? That looks like what Paul did in prison, isn't it? I've never been in a jail like that. I've never been in a jail where there was no there was no indoor plumbing. And the, the residents there had passed just left many gifts for you. Okay? And they were shackled in those many gifts. And I'm telling you what, that's a, that's a heavy-duty emotional hill to get up, right? They singing, rejoicing and praising God. He was putting the pedal to the metal. Now, I have been in some bathrooms in Belarus at some of their hotels in cities that are not... Minsk? Minsk is amazing. But I've been in a, in a, in a hotel, a nice, the nicest hotel in town, in a city in South uh, Belarus. We got there, it looked all fancy on the outside. Go in, and it was kind of scary at the reception area. I didn't know what I was, it was kind of a easing me into what I was about to experience. So I get in there and I go into the bathroom, rusted pipes, the shower wouldn't work. 
And then I look at the, the whatever that thing was, and it was like, oh my, how many days are we gonna be here? How many days are we gonna be here? It was terrible, okay? The Apostle Paul had none of that. That was luxury compared to what he had. Notice, power on, man. When the going gets tough, you gotta power up. You have to have the ability to do that. So really, that example isn't that bad. In fact, if Jesus is the standard for cruise control, guess what? When it gets tougher, Jesus always met the challenge, didn't he? For a little bit more. Being crucified on the cross, he was powered up. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Hey, John, take care of your, my mom. Now she's your mom. Mom, take care of that boy, right? That's exactly what he did. Power up. You are able to do that. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. We need to search the scriptures daily. We need to see Jesus. We need to listen to Jesus. And then we need to put ourselves into those practices and walk, live, speak, practice how he lived. Now, again, I, I don't know if you, you mind me saying this once again, but the only reason I get up early to pray, the only reason I get up early and pray is because Jesus got up early and prayed. Do I like to get up early and pray? Do I like to get up early and pray? You can answer that. No, I don't like getting out of bed at four in the morning. I don't, okay? But you know, once I'm out of bed and I got my cup of coffee and I'm in front of my Bible, then life gets good. But I'm telling you what, well, that old man is fighting me all the way. Man, you need your beauty sleep. I know, but I gotta go see Jesus, okay? You just had too much work last night. You stayed up late. I know, but I need to go see Jesus. Because the body will do that to you. Why do I do that? Because that's what Jesus did. I really believe in Psalms uh, chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Do you? I believe that. Do you believe that? I believe it. And I live it because Jesus lived it. So, brethren, it's so important for us to recognize and understand. Search the scriptures daily. See Jesus. Practice his character. Discipline to push yourself. Uh, even when the uh, times get tough, you need to perceive you need to practice and you need to push through just like Jesus did. Perceive Jesus, practice Jesus, and push through like Jesus. That's how it gets done. Now, you're saying, well, that's easier said than done. Of course it is. It always is easier said than done, okay? But I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. You have to do it for yourself. For those of you who have been in athletics, you know the importance of discipline. Brethren, that's what it's gonna take. I believe that 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 should be our verse. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse, verse 14 should be our verse. Will you humble yourself and, and know that you have a need to lay aside all that encumbers and the sin which so easily entangles? Will you humble yourself? And recognize that. Will you humble yourself enough to say, you know, I really haven't lived for Jesus like I should and I am able as a Christian. Will you humble yourself? Will you pray to him? Will you fix your eyes on the face of Jesus as it says in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14? And fix your, eyes, fix your face on Jesus as you see him in the mirror of the New Testament and also too in the Old. Will you do that? 
Will you be willing to throw away all those wicked deeds out of your life? And will you be willing to seek forgiveness? And then it says, then I will hear you from heaven. And then I will forgive your sin. And then I will heal your nation. Church, that verse is for us. That verse is for us. And that verse is for me, Bill Compton, just me. But that verse is for you, just you. And if the church will do that, then we're going to have what it takes in every obstacle to power up and power through. Amen? Amen. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk about getting those encumbrances out specifically. We're going to focus on how to do that. And we're also going to talk about how to throw that sin off. These are powerful lessons because if you're honest, and I know that, that you are, man, there's some stuff that I need to get rid of still. And I know that you do too. How to get it done. That's what we're going to talk about. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that we have the opportunity now to not read the scriptures and go, oh yeah, that was nice that happened to Paul. Oh, that was nice that happened to Jesus and Timothy. But rather, we realize the book is not an academic book. It's a powerful book to illustrate what we are and what we need to do because of who we are. Christians, sons and daughters of God, in a time where the world so desperately needs to see hope and life and love and light, we are the only ones that can do that. Help us then to rid ourselves of the encumbrances and the sins and help us to run with endurance the race, the life that you've given us in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand and let's get excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings, king of kings. And also too, just remember, if you need one of these letters, come talk to me. That'd be great. Okay, have a great week. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.